0: Hello, welcome back to Why Did Peter Sink? This is called Getting the Right Interpretation. It's part 24 of the series, Whole, Both Body and Soul, Why I'm Catholic. There's a saying in history and war that one man's patriotic hero is another man's traitor. In the battle of ideas, one man's apologist or defender of something is another man's propagandist. In the world of ideas alone, what sounds good on paper May not work in practice. So, the right interpretation of the world, both spiritual and physical, matters immensely in the pattern you choose to live by. Because if the wrong interpretation is adopted, then the wrong compass to finding meaning is selected, and the plane will crash into a mountain sooner or later if you have the wrong compass and map. For example, the Communist Manifesto sounds like a good idea on paper. But in practice, in the real world, we all witnessed a century of unthinkable slaughter over that little book. I remember reading that book in 1996 and thinking that it made a lot of sense. Starting out, of course, with religion is the opiate of the people. Um, What shocks me about this is that I was reading this book after millions of people, possibly as many as 100 million, had been killed worldwide because of that book yet somehow it still sounded good on paper. The body count wasn't even done being tallied up, and the words on paper made me forget the very bloody history that had occurred partially in my own lifetime. And yeah, after I shook my brain awake from that spell, I realized that words on paper do not translate to real world application. Not all good ideas are good ideas. The interpretation game can be a dangerous one, especially today, and unless we act as gatekeepers of our thoughts, we will be allowing others to steer us. Today, media has unmatched power in entering our minds and conjuring thoughts, and unless you grew up in an Amish community, you have been blasted from birth by a continuous fire hose from advertising and argument all the way from Sesame Street to Stranger Things. This is not... Some conspiracy theory. Um, this is what we are all aware of, but we just accept it as part of modern life. There is deliberate implantation of ideas in our brains, and for the most part, we seem to enjoy it. Most houses have multiple TVs, laptops, smartphones, home assistants, radios, and they're listening and guiding us on what to listen to or watch next. We certainly go along with it. We we give that everything. we could possibly all of our secrets what we like what we don't like we don't protest it at all a massive flood of inputs is aimed at our minds and there's algorithms using every single thing or click or, or word that we utter toward it and this is exactly the goal because the noise that we keep letting drown us out it keeps us gyrating and moving and distracted and we don't We don't sit in the silence because in silence, that's when the biggest questions roar to life. When the real questions about meaning and purpose arise, that's bad for business. That's definitely bad for the media. So if you have four hours to kill and you like to watch TV or documentaries, there's a BBC documentary called The Century of the Self. And it's a little old, but it's very interesting about the last century and what we let ourselves be bombarded with. Um, it's basically about propaganda. Um, yeah, mass communications, the century of itself. Very good, a little old. Uh, be prepared to pause for reflection, though, on how your life has played out as your some of your past choices may appear under a different light once you watch this and you start considering how much advertising and TV shows and things that Definitely impacted your behavior, my behavior, everyone's behavior. Uh, We live by narratives, and if we don't choose the narrative to live by, the noise, the noise of the world chooses for us. The interpretations that we assent to often become our real world practices and thereby have real world consequences. But what we accept as our chosen interpretation is not always what is best for our lives. In our worldly minds, we feel wired for competition. Every sporting event and reality show and drama is presented as a contest because we love to take sides. In victory, we can gloat. um, And in loss, we can paint ourselves as a victim. Even when things are going well, we like to complain. And if anyone doubts this, consider that America in 2023 is the most technologically advanced and wealthy country in human history that millions are depressed and worried about the future. This is a really strange thing the fear in America when we have so much, and you can go to other countries, um, perhaps like Thailand, where they don't have this fear of the future like they do here. Um, to quote Junior Soprano from the show The Sopranos, we are like the old woman with a Virginia ham under her arm, crying the blues because she's got no bread. The choice of which worldview to use in interpretation is not necessarily my main focus here, but I wanted to mention it because our American academic and business leaders have shifted their worldview over the past century, moving away from ideas founded on Judeo-Christian thought toward uh, socialism, uh, sometimes libertarianism, while but while keeping the profit motive intact. So even this, even when socialism is kind of underneath it, there's still this capitalistic move. We're very confused in a lot of things here. And part of that is the idea anyway, I think. But this has happened gradually. But in recent decades has reached a tipping point where the old ideas of Christianity are being sidelined, meaning God, of course, and the related idea of spirits and souls um, is being boxed up for long-term storage. Uh, That's what they think. In the coming decades, what this means is that the new radicals will be Christians. So Europe and America will have gone full circle. The pesky Christians will once again be marginalized, at least for a little while. So moving Christianity out of the public sphere has already led to a very different America. Uh, Perhaps being Christian has become too easy because it was never meant to be. The term itself has been too easy to throw around, as I talked about in the previous episodes, and it's too easy to be abused. Uh, One of the main reasons I fell away was the hypocrisy that I saw and the lack of conviction and contrition among believers. So this coming future will test the mettle of Christians because we will be living in a world similar to the day before Jesus was crucified. Christians will be outcasts and increasingly persecuted. Real persecution will happen again and not the persecutions that we hear about annually, like the marginalization of Christ and Christmas. Um, there will be a, the kind where people lose their job for adhering to the statement of the Nicene Creed uh, or and declaring obvious truths like saying that marriage is between one man and one woman. You can't say that now. I just said it, though, and nothing happened, um, so I guess I'm okay. What is most interesting is that ideas that came from Christ are being used among all the competing ideologies. So ideas of equal dignity, social justice, charity, serving the poor— and loving one another have been co-opted by humanists, atheists, socialists, and modernists. The only difference is that Christ has been removed from the picture, as if he were just some like rich uncle who passed away and left us his best stuff. This leads directly to the second main difference, which is that there is no longer such a thing as sin. Um, there is just oppressed and oppressor in one of these things, and the only sin left is that of the oppressor. Uh, A trade has been made, which I will talk about more later. We've traded the idea of original sin for Pandora's box. With original sin, we pin the blame for society's ills on our own personal built-in flaws. And with Pandora's box, we get to blame someone else. And this plays out in many ways. I think I'll close this whole series with a long thing on that. But Not every Christian interpretation of the Bible is a good one, and this is really important for interpretation of the Bible. So we have interpretation of our physical and spiritual lives, but also of sacred scripture. So fundamentalism and young earth creationism may sound good on paper to some people, but anyone with even a mild understanding of science knows intuitively that the idea of a 6,000-year-old planet is, is pretty silly. And on the flip side, There are those who remove all spirits and miracles from the Bible, like Thomas Jefferson, and they end up with nothing but what is called moral therapeutic deism. It's a God that we just treat like a kind of therapist when we need it, and it's really lame. Um, In both of these cases, too much is amputated as one cuts out reason and the other cuts out the spirit or the soul. One cuts out reason, one cuts out faith. Then there is the justice versus mercy spectrum. Some see God as the angry father who seems over eager to punish us for every terror error. (laughs) Others see a God that just affirms sin or stranger yet a God that denies sin even exists at all. In either case, you are definitely reading a bad interpretation. There is justice and there is mercy, but there is never only justice or only mercy. In fact, Jesus does a lot of justice and mercy and he talks about hell a lot. It's something you can't forget about when you when you read the gospels. As for me, I side with St. Augustine who said any interpretation of a biblical passage that militates against the love of God and neighbor is necessarily a bad interpretation. So love of God and neighbor is the ultimate criterion for correct bible reading. That's what he said. But then I find that I align with St. Augustine on most things because he weaves justice and mercy, faith and reason, and in his world, faith has a slight edge over reason, which makes all the difference. But how do we know who to listen to and who can interpret? Who has the right to do so? How can we trust any interpretation? How can anyone know what is the right interpretation? How can anyone know anything? And this leads right into the rabbit hole of the branch of philosophy known as epistemology, how do we know anything, and how? And as far as interpretation goes, and what to believe, you can really get lost, especially in someone else's thoughts. The reason we end up relying on ourselves and our own experiences as the final authority is because it seems like our head is the only fortress left, like the last temple. And this is true, but the problem with that is we've let too many spies into the fortress and we've invited a circus into that holy place. Uh, the pursuit of truth becomes paralyzing then. There are more subjects to study than flavors of ice cream. Um, philology, archaeology, history, philosophy, psychology, just to name a few. and you can't know all of these things. no one can. No one can understand all of these subjects or not deeply, and especially if you not especially not if you keep a job or have a family, um, so we give up and open the gate. We're just overwhelmed. TV, tell me what to think. Um, it's no wonder people flee from religion. Uh, the conflicting messages from the media and the faithful become so heavy, so much. As for the Bible and Christianity, it's it's too hard to understand for a lot of people because they get different messages from every single person they talk to. Um, given that I myself have a day job and commitments, it's impossible to chase all of these things down. There's so much to sift through. And who can fully understand the Trinity or fathom the Virgin Birth? The answer is no one. But we can we can strive, and some people can articulate these things really well, like Thomas Aquinas or Saint Augustine or Saint John of Damascus, those kind of writers throughout history, um, or Bishop Barron or Father Mike Schmitz. Um, what about the resurrection of the body? You know, what do we? How do we understand that? Again, we turn to these great thinkers of the past. Um, even among Christians, these things mean vastly different things. Uh, I even heard once that there was like 200 interpretations of when Jesus says, this is my body, those four words, that there's there's some a few hundred interpretations of that, which is mind-blowing since he says, this is my body, when he's referring to the host, the Eucharist, it seems like it means what he says. But of course, people want it to mean other things. So There are too many arguments and ways of looking at these things. When every ideology and religion and denomination is trying to pull us in this or that direction, then it's Netflix just seems so much easier. You know, or Facebook or Hulu doesn't push anything on us, right? We just want to make it easy. You know, Disney, the NFL, they make it fun and easy because they just provide entertainment for us, right? then we don't have to think about all this stuff it's easier to just ignore it all i just want to be entertained and passively watch the screens in front of me there's nothing wrong with that is there (laughs) can't i just let someone else do all the interpreting they 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 wouldn't try to shape me or change me would they right wrong unfortunately no that's wrong um While there are many people and organizations who will gladly volunteer the right interpretation and the correct narrative of life for you, what is easiest is not best in this case. What is best and what is true cannot be passively received from a TV or a phone. It requires some effort. Uh, Anyone who has tried to lose 10 pounds or learn a foreign language or master a musical instrument, the easy way knows that it doesn't work. Nearly everyone is willing to sell their worldview to you, if you let them. The best salesperson is the one who sells you something you don't need, and then you thank her for it. Likewise, the greatest evangelizers are those who don't appear to be evangelizing at all. And the more you sit back and let the images pass before your eyes, the more you are shaped and formed to an interpretation chosen by people who have plans for you. And they are most likely in an office building in New York or Los Angeles or San Francisco, but certainly not anywhere near an upper room in Jerusalem. They're not anywhere near what the apostles were teaching. And that's why you have to pursue what it was that the apostles were teaching, because that is the interpretation you're looking for. That is the right interpretation, because you know that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life that's the right interpretation. All right, that's all I got for this episode. We'll follow up with some similar themes in the next few episodes. Thanks for listening. See you on the next one.